Hello team, we are back. Welcome to the latest edition of Rambling with Purpose. On today's podcast, we have an amazing guest. Today we're joined all the way from California by none other than Jason Kalipa. For those of you who don't know, Jason is a professional athlete in the sport of CrossFit, having won the CrossFit Games back in 2008. He's now a very successful entrepreneur and businessman, having opened 20 fitness facilities worldwide, and a family man that has turned to philanthropy after his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia back in 2016. He dropped some amazing knowledge bombs, so have a listen and enjoy the pod. Don't forget guys to rate, review and subscribe, please. Enjoy the podcast. Hi Jason, welcome to the podcast, Rambling with Purpose. You know John and I through, well, I think you've been speaking to John a little bit more than you've been speaking to me um, via email, which is probably quite a good thing because he can be difficult to understand. Yeah, Jason, yeah. you actually did pretty well with Max. And yeah, we've been working together on get, just getting some advice um, around the gyms. Uh, obviously, Jason, you're many years ahead of us. Um, we were trying to go with our business, so it's been great having these emails and phone calls. And then obviously, in a week's or I'll be meeting you in Singapore to do a workshop, which I'm looking forward yeah. to. So yeah, thanks for joining us today. Like like I said, there are three main topics that we'd like to talk to you about, really. Kind of life as, as an elite athlete and somebody that reached the pinnacle of the sport. Um, life as an entrepreneur and a businessman um, and the amazing things that you've achieved with NC Fit. And then, yeah, life as a, as a philanthropist and a family man after your daughter was diagnosed with leukemia in 2016 and kind of how those topics all mold together um, and if it have kind of influenced you as a person. So, sure, absolutely. So let's start with your, your introduction into the sport of CrossFit or CrossFit in general and how that came about. So I was working at the conventional gym at a really young age. So I started working at the health club when I was maybe 15, 16 years or 16 years old at the front desk. And then when I graduated from high school, I started and I transitioned into uh, sales at the conventional gym. And that was when a friend of mine, his name is Austin Begeeving, he introduced me to this idea of, you know, CrossFit and a coach and class based. And um, that was in 2006. And it was, it's been, a, it's been a great ride ever since. So you were obviously very dominant um, in the early, in the early days of, of CrossFit as a sport. Um, and during that period, and what, what sort of sacrifices did that require? And were you surprised at how difficult it was or, or were you prepared for that? Well, I mean, I think at the time, the nice thing is early on, um, you know, I was engaged in 2008 when I won the games, I was engaged. Um, we had started the business and I didn't have any children and I didn't have as many responsibilities. But as the time went on and I continued to compete, I continued to, um, you know, I got married, et cetera. And I had two children and, you know, it, it, it's, it, it was a constant struggle to balance competing at the highest level in three different things that I really cared about. One was obviously CrossFit Games. The other was growing our business. And then the last one, which was the most important was, you know, being a good husband and father. So mm-hmm. that was a struggle that I always had. And, uh, you know, I had to work through the best way to balance all those things. So how did you how how did you balance them? Did it was it something that kind of evolved over time? You know, CrossFit was important, and then, like you said, as you got married and and, and your kids came along, 
it and your business kind of took off did it just slowly shift organically or was it a conscious decision where you were like you know now I need to scale back in certain areas uh, I think you know I think you learn to delegate things out a little bit better at the business I, I think for me what was really tough is that I was always conflicted because if I spent three four hours a day training for CrossFit Games that was three or four hours of the day that I wasn't putting into our business to try and grow it. And so I always ask myself, like, am I really putting our business in the best position? Am I really doing what's best for our staff? And then obviously as a family man, that was tough too. And so over time, I would just constantly check in with myself and ask myself, did I do the best I could today to, you know, put myself in a position to win the Cross Games, to build our business and to be a good father? Did I do the best I could? And did I balance those effectively? And over time, the goal was to say to myself, yeah. Now, after a few years, um, everything started to grow and I couldn't take it on anymore. And that's when I had to shift gears and, uh, you know, go team. And then, you know, and then the year later, my daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. So that was a really easy time in my life to say, hey, <laughs> something's got to change here. Let's go ahead and no longer compete in the sport of CrossFit. And uh, that just organically occurred over time. What made you make the shift from individual into team? I can imagine from 2008 until I think 2014 was your last year individual. I can imagine the time you had to dedicate to training over the years increased, just given like the sharp rise. Um, you know, the more people got involved with CrossFit, the higher the competition came. I can imagine more and more time would have had to be committed to training. Was, was that, did you find that? It was kind of hard to find the oh. balance towards the end. And is that why you had that tribute towards your going team? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when you think about it, right, everybody has different priorities in their life. And let's just say you have three major ones. What provides you financial stability? What, uh, you know, your family? And then a third thing. That could be golf. That could be this. That could be that. Whatever. For me, it was the CrossFit Games, right? And there was a bridge. There was a blend between business and the CrossFit Games because – you know, I had sponsorship agreements. I have all this stuff going on. But, you know, if you have a plate and it starts off one size, as it goes on, my plate stayed the same size, but the, the different pieces on it all started to grow. And eventually there just wasn't enough time in the day. And that's really what it came down to was that was that our business went from one location to two to 10 to 20. And I went from zero kids to one to two. Well, all of these things took up more time because they're bigger. And then the CrossFit Games took up a lot more time because to be competitive, you had to, you know, you had to put in more time. And so eventually, yeah, I just felt like I was burning the candle at all ends. Yeah, that it's so so relatable, Jason, for me at the moment because even even today, you know, I'm I'm still competing as a professional golfer on on tour and today I went to practice and I was there and in my head I was like you know I, I've not prepped as much as I want to for for the podcast and then I was like you know I was I was at practice and then I was thinking well the fact that I'm thinking about this means I'm not 100% committed to what I'm doing at golf currently so now I'm stuck right. in you know these two worlds where I'm not I'm not doing either to the best of my ability and then it, it kind of says what you, you know what you said about burning the candle at all ends and not having enough kind of hours in the day and I think it's right you, you do at some point have to kind of look at your priorities and start thinking right you know I need to shift this otherwise I'm not gonna you know I can't every hour I'm spending doing this you, you can't be doing something else um 
So that's really interesting. Do you? Yeah, and I mean, and yeah. on that note, you know, like I used to be the same way, and I still at times am, but I'm better at it. Is you know, I'd be, I'd be, you know, doing assault bike intervals while on the phone with, uh, you know, uh, our clients in Asia, yeah. and and I was trying to get everything done at once, and it was very difficult because I wasn't being successful. You know, one of the things I would always ask myself, and I'm sure this is something you could ask yourself after your golf match or your practice today is like, did I really do the best I could, you know, in that performance right there, right then. And it was really starting to eat at me because I'd go into these meetings or I'd, I'd go to, you know, train and I'd, I'd have other things on my mind. And so I just felt like I wasn't doing anything very well. I was just doing everything. Okay. And that's when I had to kind of reprioritize things and start am wrapping each focus, like really being present and focused on whatever I was doing at that moment. And then over time, you know, it just started to the point where I felt selfish. Yeah. I felt like I was spending so much time doing things that I wanted to do instead of what was in the best interest for our business and my family, which which is laying the framework for the rest of my life. So I had to kind of shift gears at that point. Sure. So is that tell us about tell us about your the, the AMRAP man, mentality? Like, you know, you've re- released a book, um, but yeah, give us give us an insight into that. Yeah, I mean, essentially, the AMRAP mentality was about. You know, I'm, I'm walking down the street, I'm talking to my wife and I find myself just drifting off into thoughts and she asked me a question and I didn't have any answer because I wasn't paying attention. And I realized right there and then that if I wasn't present and focused on whatever I was doing right there in front of me, I'd lose out on a lot of things. And it come to find out that embracing this AMRAP mentality, the way that we, you know, we AMRAP workouts, we fight for as many reps as possible. Then how do we take that mindset and shift it into everything else we're doing where you're not just am wrapping your workouts, but you're am wrapping your work. You're am wrapping this. You're am wrapping that. You know, and, and I think that's really, really important. And so for me, what happened was, is that I had to recognize at that point that I wasn't am wrapping. I wasn't being present and focused on what was in front of me. And you know, so I just started treating everything like a like a like a um, like I do a workout. You know, I, if I'm in, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about identifying your focus, working really hard at it. And then switching gears throughout the day to different AMRAPs. And that's really what the AMRAP mentality is about. That's awesome. And I think, especially in a, at the moment in the world of so many distractions with, with you know, technology and stuff like that, it's, it's increasingly more difficult, I think, to be, you know, all present in a situation. But I think it's so important because otherwise you're not doing, you're not doing yourself justice, like you said. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go into a workout and half-ass it, you know, you, you'd give it your, your all. So why would you do, not do that with everything else? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I would say this is something I've experienced myself. I mean, not with competitive training, but just generally the life balance of the gym, uh, personal life with my wife and, you know, making time to exercise and stuff. Tr- tr- try to, it's like you say, when you've got the plates only the same size, as the business grows, there's more stuff to get done. Um, it's definitely been a struggle, kind of prioritizing, finding the focus, and you know, get working way through things. I do the same thing you were saying, sitting on the salt bike, trying to do emails and stuff, and then you, sometimes you go back later and you don't even realize exactly what it is you've replied. Um, so it generally leads to kind of more problems uh, down the line. Right. But um, I mean, a lot of your podcasts kind of touch on this, and I listen to all of them, and a lot of them are really helpful with kind of helping uh, people like myself for kind of starting out. And you know, kind of finding their way, finding their feet, 
and actually learning how to prioritise is a lot harder than just saying, you know, prioritise things. It is not easy. Yeah, exactly. This is a this is a bit of a random question, but had you ha, when you opened your first location, you said that you um, you had a you signed a six month lease, and had you know you told yourself it was either you were either going to grow out of that and open up a bigger facility after six months, or you know that that was it. What would you have done? Because you're you know you, you have this determination, I think, innately in you. What do you think you would have done had that failed? Like at that point, I, I, that's a really good question. I, I don't know. Um, at, at at that point, I was so convinced that I wanted to be in the fitness space, and I had so much drive and energy to be successful that I, I don't know what I would have done had it not been successful. I would have had to really ask myself like some deep questions, like, you know, is this the right business for me? am I aligning my actual skills and talents with mm-hmm. like a legitimate, like just because I think that I should own a business and I'll be successful doesn't mean that that's what, you know, the universe thinks as well, right? That's not what other people think. And I think that's really important to understand, like just because you think you should win the CrossFit games, well, it doesn't guarantee you anything. You got to go out there and put in the work and prove that you've earned that. Mm-hmm. And so I would have had to have a deep reflection and say, Hey, was this my fault? Am I in the wrong business? Or should I go try this again and do it a different way? I'm glad I never had to make that decision. Yeah, and I think I think it's interesting because, you know, the way you said it, the drive, because, you know, we fail in life all the time, right? We fall down, we make mistakes from it on a day-to-day basis. And it's I think it's that perseverance and, and not giving up that's kind of got you to where you are. I mean, no doubt. Um, and I think that can be learned you know, lots of people can learn from that because I think people hear the word no and then that's kind of the end of the road for them. And I think sometimes, you know, hard work, like, you know, as Fraser says, hard work pays off. Like, it it really does. Um, But I think it's interesting that you said, you know, I think what's what's running through this already is like this self-reflection that you have, which is quite interesting. Like, you, you seem to know who you are and what's important to you which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one thing, one note on that, you know, you talk about this self-reflection and, you, you know, I, I think what's really important too is like to kind of, this idea of like hard work pays off, but also so does like being um, uh, not not tenacious. I, I'm trying to think of the appropriate word. We just signed a deal and it took us two and a half years to get this deal, right? Mm-hmm. Two and a half years of emails, texts, calls, over and over and over again and you know it's like when you're following up with a lead that came into your gym when do you stop following up with them when they tell you to stop following up with them right and you know i kept following up following up following up <laughs> and now finally we have an inked deal and, and i think that's really important in business is like if you want something go after it and you know i think a lot of people they'll try once and then all of a sudden if it doesn't work they'll just stop and i think that's just not the case it's, it, you're not always going to have it you know, it's going to take time, All the, especially these big deals. Big deals, they take a while to develop a level of trust and to prove value. For sure. So what, you know, you've gone on to open 20 facilities. What, what drives you to keep pioneering within the fitness industry? Like what drives you to keep persevering those, uh, those two and a half year deals? 
I mean, at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is, is, you know, not feeling like I left anything on the table. You know, I think that, um, when you look back at my competition career, like I can safely say I went in there, I gave it all out. I did everything I could to put myself in a position to win every single time. And I won some and I lost some and I did the best I could. And life threw me some curveballs, and it allowed me to kind of get out when I did. But I think looking at the business, you got to ask yourself, you know, when you're 75, 80, 85 years old, and you look back on your business career, you know, you're going to say, Hey, I did the best I could to put myself to reach my potential, right? And my potential might not be the same as somebody else's potential. Who knows? But then I really put myself out there to try. And if I could answer the question, yes, then I'm winning, you know? And that's where I'm at with my competitive career with CrossFit. And so I feel, I feel at peace with that, you know? And so I just need to be there for the business as well. So do you miss, do you miss the competition at all? I did like the first regionals I went to, it was tough for me. Um, but now, no, you know, I, I found more meaning. I was never defined by competition. You know, I never got into competition for money or fame or I got into it cause I wanted to push myself. And so the answer is no. I mean, I, I mean, do I, in the beginning, yeah, it was tough. Uh, it was a part of my life for almost a decade, Yeah. but it never defined who I was. It was just a piece of who I was. And so when I got out, I was okay. I think people who define themselves by one thing in particular, it's tough because you know, you got to find out who you are. And, uh, so it wasn't as bad as maybe some people would think. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I went to a talk, um, Deloitte, the bank, put on a talk and it was kind of ex-athletes, you know, footballers, uh, rugby players. And that, that identity thing, I think, is really important, even for mental health. You know, when you, you kind of pigeonhole, pigeonhole yourself into thinking of yourself a certain way, whether it's a businessman or, or whatever. And sometimes that can be taken away from you for, or, or you retire or you move on. And I think people can struggle with that. So it's really interesting. I suppose maybe did you replace that with, because you, you look at business like a sport, right? So did that yeah. replace it slightly? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it allowed me to spend more time focused on the family. And, and uh, you know, I mean, and, and I found jujitsu, which also has helped me kind of push my like competitive spirit and learning physically and, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I refocused my energy from, you know, training, 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 training to, you know, the sport of business and, and also, you know, still training, just not, not, not competing. So, yeah. So I guess the segue then in, in, in 2016, obviously you got some of the worst news a parent can ever receive with Ava's diagnosis. Um, how did you deal with that initially, like in the early, in the early days? Um, I mean, well, obviously, you know, you know, you just, you come together based on your previous experiences. Um, the good news was that I competed so much in, in different sports that you learn to kind of compartmentalize and focus on what's in your control and be positive. And I think that played a big role. And, um, you know, I write a lot about this in the book. If, you know, people want to check it out. It's called as many reps as possible. But, you know, that night was a, was a really uh, crazy night for us. And we learned a lot over the next two and a half years. And, um, I don't wish the experience on anybody, but I learned a lot about myself, a lot of our family and learned how to overcome hardship, which I think is, uh, really valuable And that if you don't want to overcome hardship in a situation like ours, which I hope you never do, a way you can learn to overcome hardship is just, uh, being in the gym, 
and you know, mm-hmm. fighting for every workout and overcoming the success or failure you might have in that workout. Yeah, Jason, I know now you do off the back of it, you do a lot of work now for charities uh, to kind of help others who are going through this as well. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so my wife and I, uh, we host an event called Ava's Kitchen. There's two major things we do. We do an annual blood drive that's in September. I'm a big believer in you know donation of blood. It's free and it can make a big impact on people's lives. Um, also, you know, the Be The Match, which is like a bone marrow cotton swab, I think is important. But from a philanthropic effort, we host something called Ava's Kitchen once a year where we raise money through a dinner. And uh, we've raised quite a bit of money and we, you know, we, we provide it to families who need support. And maybe they could go to Disneyland, maybe they could go to a dinner, maybe they could just get a check during the holidays. But we try and, we try and provide financial and um, experiential, you know, things to families who need, need our support during really tough times. Nice. It's incredible. It's it, am I right in saying that the blood drive out, outside of a professional sports team is the largest in Silicon Valley? Is that correct? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. That's really it's really amazing. Thinking yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we have this big audience, right? So I mean, we have a bunch of members in a big gym. We're like we get hosted in our gym really easily. It, it's it's not hard for us to do. I think Jason. I think when you were one of the first times I spoke to you, you told me um, you, you you do some of the work that. Some of the work that you do helping other businesses, you put some of that back into the charity as well. I'm sure it was you told me with the calls and stuff, so you would do business calls with to kind of help other businesses out and then donate the money uh, to this to oh, this, yeah. this charity. For me, I thought that was phenomenal. You're, you're using your experience, which has made a difference to us and I'm sure uh, many others, but to then take that and then use it to, to help other people again in another way, I think is pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, you know, something else we do is, you know, I'll get on calls with owners and we'll donate the money that way. I mean, it's just part of this ecosystem, you know, trying to raise the bar for, you know, that's also why we have the NC Fit Collective, which is our session plans and programming, but we also put out business tools and a bunch of stuff. And we're just looking to kind of take our industry and continue to, you know, make it better so that people can provide for their coaches and their families. Yeah, it's amazing. We we talk a lot on this, on the podcast and to our members at District about, the word grit and kind of, I think, you know, overcoming adversity. What, what does the word, what does that word say to you, grit? And, and cause you're full of it. I mean, I can, it just, it's in your fibers, you know, where, where do you think that came from, from, from you from personally? Was it, was it maybe something in your upbringing or you just think your sporting background you touched upon there slightly? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think it starts off with, uh, you know, not everybody every day wakes up and is all fired up. You got to recognize what motivates you. Why are you doing what you're doing? And, um, you know, and put yourself in uncomfortable positions on a regular basis and you get better and better and better. You know, if you start off and let's just say you want to develop grit, well, start off by just, you know, getting your ass up and doing something very basic. Let's just say it's a 10 minute walk. And then from there, you know, you develop your confidence and you can start making it harder and harder and harder. And it's like an acquired skill and you just get better and better and better at developing this, this kind of, this mindset, this, this ability to compartmentalize and, and train hard. And I think that carries over and everything else, but it starts off one step at a time, super low key. And just like anything, it's an acquired skill that you get over time. Yeah. I think that's, that's some really awesome advice. It's like, 
we've spoken about it before previously but it's it's you know the building blocks like you said it's some people don't get up with this amazing spring in their step and they have to fight a little bit harder for that to be positive and sometimes that comes from just you know getting out of bed and like you say going for a walk what would you say to people who are facing similar types of adversity that, that you've faced in your family life what kind of advice would you give to them um, you know, I would tell them to, you know, kind of take a step back and breathe for a second. Sometimes you start panicking and you make irrational decisions and, you know, recognize what's in your control versus out of your control. And if it's in your control, do something about it. If it's not, then just let it be and kind of look at things that, you know, a different lens, you know, like just, you know, take a cup of coffee, sit there for a second and say, hey, what's in my control? What's out of my control? Number one. What is in my control? How do I approach that with a positive mindset? Because being negative isn't going to do anything for anybody. I think those are two major things you could do. Yesterday, I was pretty stressed because we're looking at buying this property, but I don't feel very comfortable about it because we haven't sold this other property. But I was like, for some reason, I was like self-sabotaging myself to go buy this other property when I knew we shouldn't buy it until we sell this other one. But I, I felt like, oh, maybe this deal will go away, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember this buddy of mine called me. He's like, hey, man, like if this is stressing you out, you don't have to do it. You're you're intentionally adding stress to your life. Remove that. It's completely in your control. Remove it. And uh, it was just one of those examples where, you know, don't feed it even worse. Compartmentalize it and then get rid of the things that are causing you anxiety. So ultimately, like there's a, there's a selfishness, but selfishness but in a good way like you know you do what you know is good for you at that time rather than putting yeah. things on your plate that are going to make things worse yeah yeah i think that's really important so 2020 we're you know approaching a new decade i think everybody's i don't know there's like a mental thing isn't there when there's a new decade it seems bigger than just a new year and obviously what 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 does 2020 hold for you what does it look like um, I mean, I think it's it's more of the same, right? It's trying to reach our potential. It's trying to do these different things. I think that uh, it's trying to, you know, be the best version of what I could do, you know? Uh, looking at it in terms of, am I doing the best I can as a husband, father, this, that? Are we growing the business in the right direction? It's just constant evaluation. So that this way I don't wake up five years from now and realize I was a shitty dad, you know? I think, I think that's part of it, you know? It's just asking yourself those very basic questions. Yeah, and I think it on one. I listened to one of your podcasts recently, and it was about the, one of the things that excites you is knowing that you have the ability to impact change and see tangible results, whether that's your business or or whatever. Like you, people might think, okay, it's a new. I mean, there's always these kind of things about New Year's resolutions and all that type of stuff. And I, obviously, I know I think John and I both believe that there's no better day than tomorrow to make a change. But it was really interesting the way you spoke about that excites you, knowing that you can make a few things, make a few adjustments in your business, and then you can start to see results, whether that be suddenly you get a load more leads or, you know, deals start happening. Could you just tell us a little bit more about kind of that philosophy? Well, I mean, the philosophy is, I mean, look, being a business owner has its blessings and its curses, but one of the benefits is, it's all on you. Like if your business isn't doing well or if something in your life isn't going well, you know, no one owes you anything. It's something I always live by. Like 
I, no one owes me anything. It's fully in my control to make the best decision I can. And as a business owner, it's great because, you know, you could transform your business overnight if you really, really, really centrally focus and get after it, especially in the fitness business. And um, that's motivating, you know, because you could directly see the fruit of your labor, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just in this the podcast. I was talking about you know when you're faced with kind of these challenges in business. You know what I mean? It's just is it almost exciting to be able to you know take a step back, look at what you can improve, you know, make changes, and like you just said, when these changes are made, you can really quickly see the changes on the floor. You know, even back room, you can see changes in numbers and stuff like that. And for me, I think that's that's really exciting, um, and that's what drives me in the fitness industry anyway, the business. Yeah. What would you say is, you know, you've, you've created a culture at NC Fit and within, within the facilities. What would you say is the key to, to kind of being a good leader and, you know, pushing a positive culture? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you lead from the front, right? You, you, you lead by example. You, uh, you know, never ask anybody to do what you're not prepared to do. And I think it's easy to say all those things. But I think one of the biggest things is just having a, you know, external reflection of who you are. Like, look at your actions and ask yourself, how are other people perceiving these? You know, I might think I'm very nice, but am I really being nice? And I think it's important to look at yourself in a very non-egotistical, outsider perspective way. And it's easier said than done. But I've had to have some really tough conversations with myself that, you know, at times I could come off very aggressive or this and that. And I think you need to have that awareness as a good leader. Otherwise, you might think you're coming off the right way. But if but if time after time you're having conflict with people, you got to look at the mirror and say, hey, what am I doing that's causing this? And I think as long as you always revert back to, hey, what, what could I be doing better in the long run? I think it'll play out well. Yeah, that's awesome. And it goes back into the self-reflection and kind of, and I guess, Gratitude's, I think, a really important word. I think, you know, having a daily sort of kind of reflection on what you're grateful for because there's so much good in your life that, you know, it's always important to kind of remember that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, if you could if you could leave our listeners with kind of, I guess, one lesson you've learned or something, yeah, I guess, uh, biggest lesson, what would that be? I mean, I think that, you know, you learn a lot as you get older. I think one thing I've learned is that, you know, when you're 15, you think you know everything. When you're 25, you think you know everything. When you're 35 or 30, whatever, early 30s, you start realizing that you don't know as much as you think you know. And there is so much more to learn about who you are and how to interact with people and how to help them rise up. Um, And that's something I'm still learning on a daily basis. Like, how do I be a better version of who I am? to enhance everybody around me and raise everybody up. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's the big learning lesson for me is that if I think I know, I really don't know shit, you know? And that's why I try and surround myself with people who have done things a lot because you can learn so much through life experiences. Unreal. Agreed. Definitely. I think that's just surrounding yourself with people that have done things is, is definitely an important message. And being the best version of yourself, because that's at the end of the day, the only thing you can control, right? Yeah. Jason, that was awesome. Thank you so much for talking to us. Of course. No problem. I hope you guys have a phenomenal day. And uh, John, look forward to seeing you soon, huh?
Yeah, mate, I'll see you, I think it's the 28th, just over a week. Um, Jason, just, just real quick, something we can make post, um, just for the CrossFit fans that will elicit this podcast. Is, is there any funny stories from your time at the Games that you think um, the fans would would like to hear that would be, you know, something something funny for them to listen to? Something funny. Uh, fanboy. I mean, it's a fanboy in me. I mean, a lot of this stuff. Well, all right. And, and uh, I mean, you know, I, I peed myself after the Camp Pendleton triathlon. That was pretty bad. Uh, let's see. I mean, you know, a lot of what people don't understand about the sport is that there's a lot of anxiety in the, and that you could cut the tension with a fork, you know, or with a knife. Like we'd get on these buses at 4 or 5 a.m. And man, it'd just be dead silent. And um, it, there's just a there's a lot of there's a lot of mutual respect be, be, between all the competitors. But um, the atmosphere, I guess you just have to feel it. I think from a from a you know behind the scenes perspective, the relationships that we we created were real. But when you're there on the backstage, I mean, people were there's it's it's super super serious. And so people just kind of stay to themselves. And then when you get out there after the event's over, then you're bros again. But um, trying to think of what you're looking for, I don't, I, you know. I think you got it where you top, peed yourself. I did pee myself. So I, I, you know, I, this camp penalty was such a terrible event. And I finished the lot, you know, well, I, I'll give you one. This uh, Annie Sakamoto, her and I are running on this uh, camp penalty triathlon that was just terrible. And I was like, fast walking i was wrecked and she comes up behind me she like kind of slaps me in the butt low back whatever and she goes let's go jay and i'm so fired up because she's like such a sweet woman i want to keep up so i start running and like for maybe 400 feet i was feeling like i was on top of the world and then all of a sudden i just felt shitty again and i just watched her keep going you know it's like a i'm slow walking i get slapped in the butt I get this 400 foot burst, and then all of a sudden, just <laughs> and uh, so anyway, she kicked my butt out of bed. By the time I got to the finish line, I was so wrecked that I just end up falling to the floor and just uncontrollably peed myself. <laughs> and I was so I was so wrecked that I didn't even like change my clothes or anything. I just I just kept on with the next event. It was just, <laughs> just got back in the bus with your with your pants, pee pants. That's yeah, because after that we had to do a we had to do a. Um, an obstacle course, and uh, oh man, those were some tough days. But you learn a lot about yourself. That's that's why you don't miss competing. Uh, not as much. No. <laughs> that's awesome. That's there you go, John. John. John got his fanboy moment. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Cheers, All Jason. Good. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Have a great day. You Cheers, too. mate. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay guys, so there it is, Jason Kaluta on Rambling with Purpose with me and Rosie. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure to check out District Digest where we will be recapping the Christmas parties. We'll be taking a look ahead to everything that's coming in 2020. And of course, your favourite fake news segment. We'll see you then. Thank you.